This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. We're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, Our With You in the Weeds team is doing a series called Beliefs That Keep You Stuck. And I love that we're doing this because it's really meeting people in the weeds of their false beliefs. And I'm glad to be stuck with Shay and John today to look at a better belief that will help get you unstuck. But you know what? If you're a listener and you have not yet found us on Instagram or Facebook, would you please go and find us and follow us? We put out great reels, great posts, funny videos. I mean, we are really putting ourselves out there. So find us on social media and follow us and say hello. But you know, the other thing, yeah, listeners in Paraguay, that's right, United Kingdom, Australia. And I have a friend that I grew up with who's a United States congressman. Word has it Vladimir Putin is listening. <laughs> is that right? To with you in the weeds. You know? I, I heard when they when he left Moscow, yeah. um, oh. was driven out of Moscow, he was still listening to with you in the weeds. Well, so, he needed comfort. He I, needed I, direction. I, absolutely. So. <laughs> right. So in the last episode, we looked at the belief that shoulds are good and how they show up in many areas of of our lives, including our jobs, our marriages, our parenting, our relationship with God. And it affects all kinds of aspects of our lives. <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll should all over myself after this podcast today. <laughs> I'll think, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Why did I say it this way? Uh, you know, that voice is going to be going off in my head. I'll be comparing myself to the both of you. Right. Uh, Or what if people really don't understand what we're saying, Mm -hmm. thoughts like these. So I'm learning on this podcast along with everyone else. Yeah. So we all need the message from today's episode because what we want to explore is a better belief. And that better belief is that shoulds actually hurt us more than they help. Yeah, they're not really that great for us. Right. And that's counterintuitive. We have typically grown up believing that the more I criticize myself, put burdens and expectations on myself and others, the more I harshly judge myself, then I will perform better. I'll be a better Christian. God will love me more. I can get other people to do things my way to make me feel better about myself. And we find out that we end up feeling frustrated, resentful, And honestly, constantly, like we're failing to live up to the expectations in our lives, the expectations of others, and it really weighs us down. And John, I just want to know, why do we do this? Why do we should all over ourselves? Yeah, you said it well. I have a lot of clients that will object to grace 
on the basis of if I'm too kind to myself, mm. like I'll really goof up mm. and I won't stay in line. Mm-hmm. This is a very ensnaring mm. belief mm-hmm. that hurts people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ask the question, why? Um, I'm going to give you three basic reasons that I think this gets so rooted like in us. First is human condition, our inherent human nature. Even if you're not a person of faith, you live under judgment, mm. you know, being judged by other people, judged by your performance, a, a sense of like, I'm not quite adequate. Mm-hmm. You'll often hear actors, very A-list famous actors say things like Madonna said um, in the 90s. She said, my biggest fear is I'll wake up someday and people will realize I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. So we all struggle with this mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. Um, we judge ourselves and we judge each other very harshly. And the Bible's answer to this is because it's sin that fills us with imperfections, shame, and guilt. And this creates a gap between where we ought to be and where we actually are. And everybody lives in this gap, mm-hmm. whether Christian or not. And usually the way we try and fill that gap is out of our own performance and our own sure, effort. Sure, yeah. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the church, this usually gets a pass, which makes it a little harder to detect mm-hmm. and even more important to highlight because it comes across as being tough on sin, serious about growth. I really love Jesus. I want to please him. We're really committed. Yes. Yeah. But it's really quite the opposite. Because when we judge ourselves and we act out of performance, trying to measure up and please God and fill that gap, we're actually hiding from the real truth of what goes on with us and what we're actually experiencing. Because it discourages us from being free to bring our brokenness to God for Mm -hmm. his spirit to heal us. And we're trying to climb up out of our own holes by our own moral efforts. And Paul even tells us how ineffective this is in Romans 7 when he writes, I've discovered this principle of life. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Hmm. So it really doesn't work. The other way to fill the gap is to ask Jesus to fill it for us. Hmm. Uh, The remedy is Jesus. And Shay, I'm not going to steal your thunder. You're going to get into this Mm -hmm. in a second in Romans 8. Even though it wasn't God's design for us to live in a state of imperfection, it is our current reality. And God understands this, and he sent Jesus to fill that gap so we don't have to earn our worth. So learn to accept the reality, live in it, forgive yourself when you fail, be kind to yourself. Romans 2, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. This is the other way to fill that gap instead of self-performance and never measuring up. You know, Henry Cloud, we like him. He said in a lecture recently, it takes, get a load of this, 10,463 times of forgiving yourself before that harsh inner critic voice inside of you starts to ease up. Now, how did they add that up? I want to know. Well, <laughs> like a thought tracker? I Is don't. I don't, AI? What's going on? I, I don't know, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, he is a PhD, mm-hmm. and he said in the lecture, he said, I'm drawing this from research, but he didn't cite the research. Mm-hmm. But I trust him. Mm. So let's just go with this. Sure. It takes a, a lot. lot of times over right. and over and over again <laughs> yeah. for you to forgive yourself before 
that harsh for inner, not measuring up to the shoulds. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. And real change starts to take place when we move away from this core belief that we're bad and we enter the room of grace that says God accepts us and delights in us even when we fail. Wow. And that's the good news of the gospel. Mm. It is because we fail that God turns his attention toward us as a compassionate, loving father. Mm. I was just meditating on this out of Hosea recently, mm-hmm. that even though we continue to sin, God turns toward us with grace mm. because he loves us as a father. Um, so accepting the reality that we are imperfect and God is okay with that, that's why he's come to fill that gap, begins to set us free. Therapists replicate this in session by creating a safe place for people to talk about things they would like never tell anyone. Um, and they're never going to become free unless they start becoming honest. And I'll have clients, and Lynn, you do too, and Shay, you meet with people that experience this. They'll often say, gosh, I, now that I've met with you, I feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're known. It's because mm-hmm. they're accepted and welcomed. And that's an experiential learning experience in a session. And that is what it's like times 20 billion mm. to be in the presence of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the first reason we're hard on ourselves is because we live in this state of imperfection. The second reason that we stay stuck here is because voices inside of our heads. Mm. Very quickly, we all grow up around key people who teach us how to treat ourselves, think about ourselves, and how to treat other people. And those voices become recorded in our neural networks, in our brains. So easy thing to start doing when your harsh should voice or inner critic starts condemning you and telling you you're bad or you failed, uh, take some time to spell out the sentences you're rehearsing in your head and put a name to the voice. Like, who does that sound like? Mm -hmm. Because until that voice gets named, it becomes very general, and you think the whole world sees you that way. Shay, Mm -hmm. do you have my voice in your head? (laughs) (laughs) All the time, especially when it comes to recycling. Like, which bag should I put this plastic (laughs) bottle into? But, you know, you you, you have to – so I think what you're saying here, though, John, is this voice isn't that – the Holy Spirit saying, you know no. what, you're gossiping about someone right now and, and you should stop. That's, it's not that voice. It's other voices, right? I would say that's, the, that's a very good point. That's the difference between conviction versus condemnation. Mm-hmm. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit shows you reality. Mm. And it usually goes like this. John Tennan, yesterday afternoon when your wife asked you, you lied to her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very clear picture of, man, I really have hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and it's clearly broken, some sort of moral command of God. Yeah, or Correct. not loving somebody, yeah. hurting somebody. Right. Condemnation is very different. Condemnation is you're a screw-up. Mm-hmm. You're such a loser. Like mm-hmm. self-annihilation. You're such an idiot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, I love her. And she was the product of her parents. I remember two things she used to say to me. One of them was, what if, if I did something that bothered, what have I ever done to deserve this? And the other, they're really kind of funny. The other one was, who do you think you are anyway, little man? 
And I have internalized this stuff, <laughs> and it's become a core belief, and it basically kind of ends up this amalgam of, I ruin things. Yeah. I'm a problem. Doesn't everybody pretty much have their mom's voice mm-hmm. pop up in their head Absolutely. several times mm-hmm. a day? Like, our parents have such a strong impression on us yeah. when we're growing up. So mom's voice, dad's voice are probably the loudest voices in our heads. My, well, mine was, uh, my mom would say, Jesus knows. Jesus knows what you're doing <laughs> and how you're treating me. <laughs> if she didn't Jesus agree with knows. something that I was doing and in our relationship, and she yeah. would always say, Jesus knows. It's going to watch you with, like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the voice of shame, Yeah. this inner harsh critic that gets passed along from one generation to the next, and you need to learn to spell out your self-talk and identify where does that come from. So we tend to believe shoulds are good and we're hard on ourselves because it's our inherent human condition. There's a fault line in the heart and we're all flawed. And the voices inside of our heads growing up. And then the third reason is we just have a defective view of the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, We make up our view of God from our own experience and our own imagination because we've never seen him. We've never sat down and had coffee with him or talked to him. So how do we think about him? Where do, where do our thoughts come from? Mm-hmm. And we automatically transfer experiences with authority figures uh, and our own distrust and suspicion from our hearts. We transfer that onto who we think God is. And the gods we make up are much harder on us than the true and living God who says, come closer. I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Rest in me. Mm, yeah. You know, take my yoke upon you. I'm humble mm-hmm. and I'm gentle in heart. And that's very inviting. Yeah. yeah. So I hear you say those three things that we live under judgment because of the fall. So there's that natural sense of uh, the law that we need to now make up for. And then we have voices in our heads that we internalize, which is neuroscience 101, the sponge neurons that we have. We take in the cues and the messages of our caregivers. And some of us might have had very maybe harsh or critical caregivers. And so those voices are alive and well. And then the last one is that we're trying to understand who God is. He's, He's a spirit, so we can't see him. And so we map these voices on to God and we think, okay, he's the authority figure that now I have to please, I have to perform for. And so the idea of grace coming into this, we're really having to work against the grain. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not going to feel natural to us to rest and relax and receive God's mercy, his grace, his love. And so I really want us to explore now, how do we get unstuck? Let's say you're listening to this series and and you're noticing, wow, I live under the burden of these shoulds and I want to be freed up. Shay, you have a really good story of how you noticed shoulds in your life and and you stumbled upon a truth in scripture, even as you were preparing a sermon, and that really shifted your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's it's based upon Romans 8, 1 that you alluded to earlier, John, but, you know, where, where, where Paul says this, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it, it's my life verse. And, and the idea is I'm okay because the God of the universe loves me in Jesus because of what Jesus did for me, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. Um, uh, it, it's just the belief in the gospel that we're in Christ, in Christ, we're loved and we're more accepted and we're forgiven and we're children of God and our identity comes from him. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about, just a quick story that you you, you were alluding to, Lynn. Uh, years ago, we were doing a sermon series uh, in Romans, and I we were working our way through the book of Romans, and I end up, um, the sermon that I was supposed to do was I was supposed to preach from Romans 7, where Paul says, right, I... I I want to do what's right, but I find this at work in me. I, I do what I don't want to do. Mm. Um, and, and then I was, so I was supposed to preach on that, which I think is the normal Christian life, right? I don't want to do these things, but I, I still see sin at work in my life. And I was supposed then to um, uh, connect that with Romans chapter 8, verse 1 where he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I, I work all week on this sermon trying to figure it out. And I remember in my sermon prep, and I, I, I get done with it, and I read through my sermon. It's a Saturday afternoon. Of course, Sunday is coming. I'm feeling the pressure of that. And I've, I read what I've written, and it makes no sense. I, I can't figure it it's out. It's like gibberish. <laughs> and, and I start to just absolutely panic. And, and I remember I, I walked out of our house. I'm walking around our neighborhood. I'm thinking this sermon is going to be a bomb and it's going to blow up the church. The, oh, no. you know, the crossing is going to fail. I'm just, I've got all these voices in no my head. No one will like me. No, yeah, oh, I'm going to lose standing. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, well, yeah, people are, are going to think I'm a fraud. I've let everyone down. You and Madonna. And, and their expectations. And, and I just remember being so miserable, almost to the point I, and I kid you not that I was thinking about I could just get in my car right now and I could drive away and leave the state and no the state one, of Missouri. <clears throat> yeah, and no one would ever hear from me again. And and <laughs> this is like confessions of <laughs> pastors in ministry. We need to start another podcast on yeah. pastoral that, that, that's confessions. That's how down I was because I thought I'm going to stand in front of thousands of people and just make a fool of myself because I can't figure this passage out. And um, the actual passage that I was preaching on, Romans 7 and Romans 8, is the answer to what I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's Paul's dilemma, right, in Romans 7, yeah. that's, that in the midst of his knowing his shoulds, uh, I, I should be doing this. I should be writing a really great sermon. Right. right. He goes back. <laughs> but my sermon really is not that great. <laughs> that's not what I want to do. I, I'm failing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I'm not living up. I still see this at work in my life. He goes back to the gospel in Romans 8, 1 that says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when the should start speaking in your head, you have to remind yourself that there's no condemnation, that, that the God of the universe in Christ loves us and accepts us. And he's our heavenly father, John, that you, like you were talking about, and our identity is found in him. And therefore, we rest our hearts in that. 
And I think, I hate to say this, but I think it's the solution to all of our problems of all of the shoulds when it comes to our vocational success or or we should be doing this in our parenting or whatever it might be. And we find ourselves failing or trying to live up to the expectations of others. We have to rest our hearts in the idea that we have a heavenly father who loves us and accepts us and it cares for us no matter how much we fail. You know what I think of when you tell that story? Somebody could be listening to this thinking, well, he's a well-meaning pastor. Mm. You know, of course, it's easy to kind of feel like I'm not condemned because I'm serving God. But like, what about work with people who struggle with addictions Mm. and they've they are so trapped Mm. and they try so hard and they continue to fail. And there is so much shame that comes from that. Mm That kind of a person is going to have a harder time feeling and believing that they're not condemned. But the power of the gospel is not less if the sin is greater. Mm, I yeah, love that. It, exactly it right. is the same power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if that is not true, we need to pack up yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. go to another country and do something that is a little higher paying, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's just that is the hope of the gospel, and yeah. that's the father that's presented in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. That, that just resting our hearts, and, and we'll never do it perfectly, this side of heaven, right? But resting our hearts in, in our Father, Heavenly Father's love and acceptance of us, that that frees us, right? It frees us up to obey God. It, it frees us up to, right, work hard in our jobs and be successful. But then we leave that success, if it comes to God, mm-hmm. it's in his hands. It, it frees us up to parent as best we can, but ultimately our kids are in God's hands. Mm-hmm. And we, and the more I think we can live out of just, it's almost like I have to say to myself is, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Where I fall back into my stuck patterns when I forget the gospel and when I don't believe the gospel. Now, let me just say this. The idea that we're free in Christ, there's no condemnation, does that free us up to just go live sinful lives? I think we really need to make this clear. Uh, can, can we just do whatever we want to do? Because it's all God's grace, right? Well, of course not. Well, you can. You, you can, but you're going to be miserable, yeah. right? You're, you're going to be miserable. And, and the Bible speaks to this. But the more we believe the gospel, it frees us from our shoulds to 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 where we try to live up to other people's expectations. It frees us to love God and love our neighbors, the two greatest commandments, because we know we're loved by the one who matters the most, and we can never lose that love. Yeah, so you're not measured by trying to fill that gap of your imperfections. Yeah. You're not measured by your failures or your successes. You're loved. Because of Jesus's. Because of Jesus. Yeah. So God is mad about you when you sin, like madly in love with you when you sin. He's madly in love with you when you succeed because he loves you and he's decided to do that and you can't do anything about it. And once that sinks in, it gives you 
such a sense of freedom. And it's not that we don't do things. It's not that there are not things we should do. Like, I should pay my bills. <laughs> I should show up tonight and love my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But my worth is not based in that. My acceptance with God is not based in that. Mm-hmm. And that frees me to come to him with my brokenness. Yeah. So I forget where I got this, but one guy said you can approach God in one of two ways. When you fail, you can say, oh, shoot, man, I don't want God to find out about this. Or you can take the approach of, you know what? I've got a real problem here. I got to go talk to dad. Yeah. And there's the difference. Yeah. This is so good, you guys. I feel like I just need to like put this little section on play every morning when I get up. And I honestly wonder how many times does God providentially have a pastor preach a passage on the very thing that he's trying to press more <laughs> deeply into their hearts because you really can't run away from it. You know, you tried, you wanted to, but the more you went back to the passage, the more the Spirit spoke to your heart. And we know that every time grace is preached or, you know, we highlight the freedom of the gospel, that people do come up with objections. Shay, you mentioned, you know, that Paul addresses some of these objections in the New Testament. I think it just bothers us on some level because it so goes against our nature. We want to judge others and we want to add to the gospel. So, John, I anticipate that we have listeners who are hearing what we're saying. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ. You've messed up royally, and yet you are loved. God's madly in love with you. And they are coming up with objections to Mm. this better belief. So what do you think some of those objections might be that people might have? There is a lot we could say about this, and we're going to do a forthcoming series on being grounded in grace, Mm -hmm. where we'll go into more detail. But let me hit just two of them. One objection might be, hey, if I really believe that shoulds are not good for me, I guess that means it's okay just to do whatever I want, sin and hurt people. Because if we didn't have shoulds, right, there's going to be moral chaos. So I need the shoulds to keep me in line. Yeah, so what would you say in response to that then? Um, I'd say two things. Number one, uh, we way underestimate the power of God's grace. And the enemy hates it. And so as soon as we start talking about it, he starts attacking us with this notion of, now, wait a minute, this Mm -hmm. is going to be irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Because God certainly wouldn't die for something that was useless or powerless. This is what he decided to do to connect us to him and bring us home. Mm -hmm. So it is extremely powerful. We don't need to be afraid of that. The other thing I'll say is, gee, Beave, like, There's a really clear place for shoulds, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to simply discern where Mm. the shoulds are coming from in your head. Mm. Are they shoulds that come from God's loving hand of protection? Or are they shoulds that are coming from a place of condemnation, destruction, you're not good enough for God? Those are always the dark shoulds of the enemy. God's shoulds are his hand of protection trying to love us. So let's just look at the Ten Commandments. You should not kill. Yeah, clear moral Mm -hmm. directive. Mm -hmm. Yes, like you should not kill. Mm -hmm. Um, You should not have sex outside of marriage. Mm. You should not serve other gods. 
because those things hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. And God's trying to love us. So there are shoulds. But I tell clients, unless this is a clear moral biblical category, mm-hmm. you need to be much kinder with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So just to, to, to kind of recap, shoulds are out there, whether we like it or not, but they need to stay in their lane, right? Yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it. <clears throat> lawn mowers mow lawns, not give haircuts. Um, so the point <laughs> is, right, is we need moral laws. God gave them for our good, for our human flourishing. But we shouldn't try to use those laws to secure our standing and value and acceptance before God, right? Jesus already did that for us. So that ball game is over. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's almost like we know we're saved by God's grace. So we have a clean slate. Now, though, as a Christian, I have a second chance, and I better get it right this time. You know, I've got a second chance, and we forget that the Christian life is one of grace Hmm. as well. We're free to obey the two greatest commandments, and we don't have to be enslaved by the shoulds of others. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lifetime to get that in. Yeah. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews, the writer tells us, strive to enter God's rest. Like, this is hard work. Hmm. You alluded to that earlier. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work to dismantle Mm -hmm. the shoulds, the performance, Mm -hmm. the ought tos, and do I measure up. It takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. to dismantle that and learn to receive God's love. So what might another objection be? If we, okay, here's another one. Um, I'll go quickly with this. If we believe shoulds are not good for us, what about discipline? Like, you know, we need discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Hebrews 12 even says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Um, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So a, a person might come in and say, well, you're telling me like to be kind to myself and go easy on myself and accept God's love. And it's all like really just wonderful here. Um, But what about like discipline? The problem with this passage in Hebrews 12 on discipline is that it's often used as the weapon of choice in the hands of legalistic manipulators. Mm -hmm. They, and I even do this on occasion, kind of give the gift of grace with one hand and take it away with another. In other words, God loves us without condition, yes, but if you don't respond appropriately to his love, he'll take you out to the woodshed and you're not going to walk for a week. Mm. Now, think about this. If there were a correlation between our obedience and God's discipline, we would have been destroyed a long time ago. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. And if you follow this line of thinking, it makes God a very poor teacher because he's been disciplining me and I still sin Mm. and I'm still disobedient. So his discipline and his teaching has really not changed me a whole lot right now. Mm. Some, but not everything has been changed. So is there something wrong with Mm. God's discipline? This just falls apart when you start pushing it. Um, Of course, discipline has a place. But when you think of God as a father who disciplines you, you have to remember the father that Jesus revealed. Gentle, humble, compassionate, forgiving. A father who gives good gifts to his kids 
And if you don't have this father in mind when you think about discipline, then discipline becomes a backdoor to guilt, shame, and this thinking that I need it to keep me in line. So, yeah, discipline has a place. Um, but it's coming from a God who loves us so much. I mean, I could go on with yeah. this, but you you know, John, I, used to y- say something. Yeah, I, I think this, our whole discussion you know, on this podcast today, it, it, it reminds me um, maybe in some ways to just sum this up, but, but, but Tim Keller uh, used to say, we, we have to stay on the horse of the gospel. Right. Or in the saddle of the gospel. I'm sure he, he says it a lot better than I do. But he, he used to say, you know, it's easy to fall off on one side of the horse or the other. Uh, we can fall off on one side and slip into legalism, you know, thinking that our performance is why God loves me. Or conversely, we fall off onto the other side of license, thinking, you know, since we're saved by God's grace, we can do whatever we want to do right? Um, And and so in our lives, I found this in my own life, we kind of vacillate between those two. But but the key is to stay in in the middle of the saddle, right on the horse of the gospel. You know, that's an old illustration that Martin Luther used during the Reformation. So you think Keller got it from Luther? (laughs) Yeah, I do. We're all getting it from someone, right? I mean, just there's no new thought under the sun. Exactly. But it, it reminds me of another thing that I studied in church history, Luther taught grace, and people objected to it so strongly. And in one of the debates, he was asked by a thinker, so Martin Luther, let me see if I get this right. You're telling me that because God died for me and gives me his grace, I can do whatever I want. And Luther looked at him and he said, exactly. You can do whatever you want. Now, what is it that you want to do? Mm -hmm. And that that gets to the heart of the matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. what it's your not... core desire and motivation is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what God is after, our hearts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that we're talking about the gospel because this is really where this whole discussion needs to go. And one thing I've thought about just in my own growth journey is that, and John, you mentioned this over the course of a lifetime, I think there are parts of our soul, even though you've maybe been a believer for a while, that still need to hear the gospel. Oh, absolutely. You know, like there are parts of our soul that have been wounded by sin, um, feel shame, feel trapped, you know, feel like I still don't measure up. And it's it's almost like, yes, we hear it, you know, we take it in explicitly, but pushing it down into those parts of our soul takes the rest of our lives. And that's what God is using the Spirit to remind us, to bring us back to this place of we are loved, we are safe, we are accepted, we are no longer under God's judgment. And I think that this is just a journey, and I hope our listeners are feeling brought along on this journey today as we talk about why shoulds actually hurt more than help. But when we come back, we're going to give some practical application and takeaways that you can work on. We'll be right back in a jiffy, but we want to take a quick pause to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you like what you're hearing, think about texting this episode to a friend. And find us on Instagram at WithYouInTheWeeds. Okay, so we've said a whole lot, and we're going to go 
to some final takeaways. Lynn, you take the first one. Yeah, it's just something I've been reflecting on, and that is just what what is the goal of the Christian life? Because if the goal of the Christian life is to please God, then yes, we are going to live under a mountain of shoulds. And then when we fail at those shoulds, we're going to feel guilty, ashamed, despondent, insecure, depressed. But when we come to understand that the goal of the Christian life is actually to trust God, Hmm. then we can live with our limitations, our imperfections, and acknowledge how we can't live up to the shoulds. And then we can throw ourselves onto the mercy of God. But here's the important thing to note, is that when we trust God, when we fully depend on him, we are pleasing him. Hmm. So, but our motivation is different. It's coming from a different place. We will end up pleasing God as we learn to trust him, but that takes humility. You know, so everyone is going to be faced with a decision, to whom am I going to trust myself? all parts of myself. Who am I going to depend on? And when we come in humility, when we acknowledge our need for someone or something outside of ourselves, as we trust God, he gives us this grace back in return. And I would just say that that's the grace that empowers us to walk in obedience. But that mental shift right there, instead of striving to please God, no, I'm learning to trust God. I'm leaning in to that humility, into that dependence, I think that could free a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Shay, take the second take. Yeah, the second one is is we just have to 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 pray that God give us wisdom and discernment when you see the shoulds controlling your life. You know, what is it? Is the is it the Holy Spirit um, convicting you of some sort of sin in your life, um, or are you? Uh, internalizing shoulds from other people? Mm. Or are you hearing shoulds in your brain that's not from the Holy Spirit, but it's just simply, um, it, it's, it's, it's the devil, it's your own idols controlling you. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I think you have to pray to God to give you wisdom to discern. What are the shoulds that I should be doing because they come from Scripture and the Holy Spirit versus shoulds that other people have placed on myself or I'm placing on myself where I'm feeling the burden. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. All right, third thing that we'll wrap up with, and this is really practical and it seems so simple, but I think it's so powerful. And I got this from an old mentor of mine. Change your language. So you've heard us use the word should, like for the last two episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. The word we haven't used is the one I'm going to suggest that you start practicing, and that is wish. So when – because you will, like, fail, and you will go into the pattern of, well, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. All right. Instead of saying that to yourself, say, I wish I would have said something differently. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish I were a different kind of person so that – When that happens, I automatically do this. Hmm. Do you feel how much softer Mm -hmm. that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it can take a posture of, if I wish I would have said something differently, Mm -hmm. or I wish I could have a do-over, or I I wish I were a different kind of person, that's almost like a prayer. Hmm. You can use that as, God, this is what I wish. 
It's recognizing I'm not where I want to be, um, but I'm right here. Yeah. And you're not condemning yourself, which if you do the shoulds, it ultimately isolates you from the Father because you feel like you can't go home. Mm-hmm. You feel like you can't go back to him. Mm-hmm. So practice the compassion he gives you. Like, I wish I could do this differently. I like that. Yeah. I wish I would have known. I didn't. Yeah. I like, I, I just another point to that I would just say is you could say, um, if you could go back and do something again, what would I do differently? Mm. And I think that can also be, be an invitation that we bring that that disconnect from where we are yeah. to where we want to be, right? Which is what this podcast is all about, that we live in the weeds of life. We live in the messiness of life. And so how does the gospel speak into that? We hope that after today's episode, someone out there is feeling free. They are feeling free to unburden themselves from shoulds that have been added to God's love, to God's grace. You are loved. You are accepted in Christ. And we want you to walk in that freedom today. So thank you so much for being with us on today's episode. Please tune in for next week when we tackle another belief that may be keeping you stuck. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey, thanks. It was great, guys. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.